Hello, everyone, and welcome to the December 3rd edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. Coventry Healthcare has entered into a civil monetary settlement agreement with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Maryland. This agreement is the result of an investigation into the company's operational processes for confirming Medicare eligibility for its workers' compensation set-aside product. According to the agreement, Coventry will pay a $3 million fine and no civil or criminal charges will be filed. In 2008, the U.S. Attorney's Office began an investigation into practices of First Health Priority Services relating to its Medicare set-aside arrangement product. This product entered Coventry's portfolio as part of its acquisition of the First Health workers' compensation business in 2005. Coventry no longer sells this product. As part of the company's normal course of business in serving the Medicare population, select Coventry employees were granted access to CMS databases in order to obtain certain data and information for purposes authorized by CMS. In 2005 and 2006, a small number of Coventry employees accessed the Medicare beneficiary database for the purposes of determining whether workers' compensation claimants were Medicare beneficiaries. The conduct by these employees was a violation of company policy, and Coventry has put several new measures, controls, policies, and trainings into place to prevent violations in the future. Individuals responsible for the violations were reprimanded and are no longer employed with the company. And now our fraud report. An Orange County jury found an attorney an accountant, and two medical administrators guilty of two dozen personal tax evasion charges in connection with what prosecutors have billed as the largest medical fraud case in the nation. The defendants were connected to Unity Surgical Outpatient Center in Buena Park and also are accused of participating in a scheme in which healthy people from all over the U.S. were recruited for unneeded surgeries, generating $154 million in billings to insurance companies. The jury deliberated about three weeks and could not reach verdicts on five of 40 counts before them. The case involving Unity's 64-year-old attorney, Roy Dixon, 58-year-old accountant, Andrew Harnan, and 63-year-old administrators, D. Francis, and 66-year-old Rosalinda Landon, was the first involving Unity representatives following the 2008 Orange County Grand Jury indictment of these four and nine others. The defendants faced sentences to as much as eight years and four months in state prison. The verdicts now set up the second phase of the case in which the defendants face hundreds of counts of insurance fraud charges. If convicted on those charges, the defendants could face up to life in prison. A federal grand jury in Boston is investigating Millennium Laboratories of San Diego, a private company selling urine drug testing services to pain clinics across the United States. The company is under investigation by the Justice Department for allegations of health care fraud. No criminal charges have been filed, and Howard Apple, Millennium's president, said the company is cooperating fully with the Justice Department subpoena and did nothing wrong. Witnesses testified that Millennium was getting doctors to order unnecessary urine tests and charged excessive fees to Medicare and private insurers. Millennium has denied those accusations in civil lawsuits.
Witnesses said Millennium had aggressive pitches to pain clinics to order varieties of urine tests even when they were not needed at up to $1,600 a test. Urine tests can show doctors whether their patients are taking extra pain drugs and whether they are taking their prescribed drugs. The urine drug testing industry has taken off as the number of pain drug prescriptions in the United States grew from 30 million to 180 million a year over the last two decades. The testing industry has spawned two previously disclosed prosecutions and scores of suits and countersuits by companies accusing each other of wrongdoing. In March, Callaway Laboratories of Woburn, Massachusetts paid $20 million to settle a Massachusetts state Medicaid case, accusing it of paying kickbacks for unnecessary screening. Three former Callaway officials were sentenced to four years probation. And in 2010, Ameritox, based in Baltimore, Maryland, paid $16.3 million to settle similar claims by the federal government. And in regulatory news, the DWC has posted to its online forum draft regulations implementing Senate Bill 863's mandate to establish an independent medical review program. This program will allow employees to obtain an expedient review of utilization review decisions that deny, delay, or modify a medical treatment request made by the employee's treating physician. IMR, which is required to become effective on January 1, 2013, for all occupational injuries occurring on or after that date, and on July 1, 2013, for all dates of injury, will be conducted by qualified physicians selected by an independent review organization designated by the division. Currently, the division is negotiating with Maximus Federal Services Incorporated to administer the IMR program. Members of the public will have 10 days to review and comment on the draft regulations. In addition to creating the new IMR program, the proposed regulations will revise existing utilization review regulations to conform to the Workers' Compensation Reform Bill signed earlier this year by Governor Brown. The IMR regulations include a proposed request for authorization form for use after January 1, 2013, which will assist in defining medical treatment issues in the initial utilization review process. A provision to defer utilization review until other issues affecting liability are resolved. The mandatory application for independent medical review. The procedure for submitting documents for IMR and proposed costs of IMR, which under SB 863 must be paid by claims administrators. The minimum and maximum temporary total disability rates for 2013 will increase on January 1st. The minimum TTD rate will increase to $160 and the maximum TTD rate will increase to $1,066.72 per week. This represents a 5.6% increase. Labor Code Section 4453A10 requires the rate for TTD to be increased by an amount equal to the percentage increased in the state average weekly wage as compared to the prior year. In the 12 months ending March 31, 2012, the state average weekly wage increased from $1,003.55 to $1,059.38. 
workers with dates of injury on or after January 1st, 2003, who are receiving life pensions or permanent total disability benefits are also entitled to have their weekly LP or PTD rate adjusted based on the SAWW increase. The SAWW may be verified at the U.S. Department of Labor website. And the 2013 mileage reimbursement rate increases to 56.5 cents per mile. The labor code requires that injured workers be reimbursed for their transportation expenses required to obtain medical treatment or attend a medical legal examination. The labor code in conjunction with the government code requires claims administrators to reimburse injured workers for travel expenses at the rate adopted by the director of the Department of Personnel Administration for non-represented state employees. In a convoluted way, this rate in turn is tied to the Internal Revenue Service published mileage rate. Department of Personnel Regulations sets the reimbursement rate at 34 cents per mile unless there is a memorandum of understanding with the State Department of Personnel to the contract, contrary, and there is a memorandum of understanding for the July 1, 2010 through July 1, 2013 timeframe that sets the reimbursement at the federal standard mileage rate. Thus, the reimbursement rate for workers' compensation mileage is the federal IRS guideline. The Internal Revenue Service says that beginning on January 1, 2013, the standard mileage rates for the use of a car will be 56.5 cents per mile. A fatal accident at a Fontana concrete plant triggered a Cal OSHA investigation. State investigators say a deadly industrial accident at the plant is the second in three months. Cal OSHA says both incidents are currently being investigated and it is not common to have two leg amputations at one workplace in this short amount of time. San Bernardino County Coroner's Office identified a man, the man killed as 40-year-old Fernando Quesada of Fontana. Police said Quesada and another worker were wrapping high-gauge cable into coils when the cable snapped, striking Quesada and the other man. The cable severed the other man's leg and Quesada was struck in the head. Cal OSHA and the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Bureau of Investigations came to the site at 10650 Hemlock Avenue following the accident. That investigation is expected to be complete by January or February. If Cal OSHA determines the company did not protect its workers, citations ranging from general to serious could be issued resulting in fines. The District Attorney's Office also plans to investigate the incidents and will determine whether criminal charges should be filed. And in medical news, accountable care organizations continue to grow. Is workers' compensation next? An accountable care organization, or ACO, is characterized by a payment and care delivery model that seeks to tie provider reimbursements to quality metrics and reductions in the total cost of care. A group of coordinated health care providers forms an ACO, which then provides care to a group of patients. The ACO may use a range of payment models, capitation, fee-for-service with asymmetric or symmetric shared savings. The ACO is accountable to the patients and the third-party payer for the quality, appropriateness, and efficiency of the health care provided. An ACO organization is part of a new reimbursement model of care known generically as pay for performance. 
The predominant national model of care is pay for procedure, which ties physician reimbursement to the number of procedures performed. And there is no accounting for the success or failure of the procedure or the overall outcome of medical care for the patient. Physicians are paid as much for success as they are for failure under a pay-per-procedure model. California's workers' compensation reimburses physicians based upon the pay-for-procedure model. In 2012, accountable care organizations grew in number and popularity through the three core Medicare ACO models and commercial ACOs. In December 2011, 32 organizations were accepted into the Pioneer ACO model with their performance period beginning in January. The Pioneer program was designed for organizations already experienced in coordinating care across settings. In April, CMS named the first Medicare Shared Savings Program ACOs. 27 ACOs were accepted into the program and their first performance period began April 1st. CMS added 88 more Shared Savings ACOs in July and that group's performance period started July 1st. Major commercial payers such as Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Cigna, and Aetna have formed commercial ACOs this year as well. In fact, Cigna has announced that the company is on pace to create 100 ACOs by 2014 and bring accountable care to 1 million customers. Perhaps provisions of the new SB863 may be laying the groundwork for a pay-for-performance model in workers' compensation. Under the new law, medical provider networks must establish procedures to monitor quality of care, performance of medical personnel, utilization of services and facilities, and costs. Although SB 863 does not tie reimbursement to this new measure of quality of care, at least there will be metrics in place where quality of care becomes somewhat transparent. The measures can at some point be part of the equation for either a bonus or a penalty to a pay-for-performance fee schedule. And in other news, an investigation by the WCRI discovered why claimants hire attorneys. The Workers' Compensation Research Institute asked nearly 7,000 injured employees in the 11 states why they hired attorneys. Not surprisingly, the study found that workers are more likely to seek attorneys when they feel threatened. Sources of perceived threats can take different forms. The character of the employment relationship, for example, was a factor for the 23% who strongly agreed that they hired attorneys because they feared being fired or laid off. 15% also strongly agreed that they needed attorneys because their employer could perceive their claims as illegitimate. Miscommunication in the claims process was another significant factor. In fact, 46% said they hired attorneys because they felt the claim had been denied when in fact it had not yet been accepted into the process. The WCRI also found that the worse the injury and the more severe the illness, the more likely it was that attorneys would be involved. Employer size can also be a factor, but with offsetting implications. Larger companies are more likely to have co-workers who have experience with workers' comp claims and attorneys, which can encourage attorney involvement. On the other hand, larger employers are more likely to provide timely outreach to injured workers with specialized staff trained to handle personal issues. 
Workers in smaller firms, however, are more likely to have direct personal relationship with their employers. They are less likely to file claims. Job tenure also affected the likelihood of workers hiring attorneys. Workers who had less than one year on the job when they were injured were more likely to hire an attorney. Those with more than 10 years with the same employer were less likely to involve attorneys due to employer loyalty. This was offset, however, by those who feared a pay cut from not being able to return to a job with the same employer. Attorney involvement tends to increase as workers age. 20% of workers age 55 or older hired attorneys. Union membership was generally not a factor, with pros and cons of union involvement canceling each other out. Unions provide valuable information to workers, but they tend to have connections to lawyers. At the same time, unions provide protection for reemployment and may also help workers navigate the workers' comp system, partially substituting for attorneys' roles. Those who were interviewed in Spanish hired attorneys twice as often as those who were interviewed in English. The less educated workers were more likely to hire an attorney because they were more likely to be intimidated by the claims process. High school graduates were six percentage points more likely to hire an attorney than college graduates. The DWC is now accepting nominations for its annual Carrie Nevins Community Service Awards, which will be presented at its 20th annual educational conferences in February and March 2013. This annual Community Service Award began in 2010 and was renamed in memory and honor of Carrie Nevins, the Acting Administrative Director who passed away in 2011. Acting Administrative Director Desti Overpeck said that this award is about recognizing and acknowledging those extraordinary individuals outside of the DWC whose efforts do so much to benefit the comp system for the betterment of employees and employers. Nominations should be made for those individuals who have made a significant contribution to the betterment of the workers' compensation community in the highest professional manner. The DWC will evaluate the nominations and honor one Southern California recipient in Los Angeles and another Northern California recipient in Oakland during an award ceremony at the educational conference luncheons. The DWC nomination form must be received no later than January 14, 2013. And with that, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for the WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for some more news.